time. Time is running out. Calling all patriots and lovers of our constitutionally protected, God-given, self-evident, inalienable rights in Tennessee and the United States of America. If you are sickened by the liberty-eroding activities of a government that hates you, then it is time to wake up. If you are fed up with the tyrannical leadership on display by all levels of government, now is the time to listen to your reveille call. If you are equally tired of the political class, the new aristocracy, lying to you in their pursuit of power and control, now is the time to take a stand in the arena. Please welcome your host, Larry Linton, U.S. Navy veteran and candidate for Tennessee House of Representatives to the Liberty, Leadership, and Lies podcast. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Liberty, Leadership, and Lies. This week's episode, we'll be talking about lies. I alluded in last week's episode that we would discuss the lies surrounding the leak of the Supreme Court's draft opinion that appears to overturn Roe v. Wade. There are so many lies surrounding that dark episode in the history of the Supreme Court that we could spend weeks on it alone. Suffice it to say, though, it does appear that our republic may take a slight turn towards being a nation that once again protects the sanctity of life. Well, maybe not as a whole republic, but there will be many states that actually take a stand to protect the most innocent among us. Let's all pray for continued strength and a firm stance on moral and constitutional principles for the justices of the Supreme Court. Let's also pray that they actually have the strength and courage to correct a decades-old wrong. A blatant lie that made up a constitutionally protected right to murder unborn children in the womb. As I said, I was going to talk about the many lies swirling around the leak as well as the draft opinion, but I'm going to let that play out some more before I discuss it. Besides, all of that controversy surrounds the Supreme Court taking on authority outside of its constitutional Article Three limitations in the first place. They brought this upon themselves. More to come on that, but let's go into a couple of different lies for the show this week nationally, and locally here in Sevier County, Tennessee. So the first lie I want to tackle is what the media calls the big lie. I hope you've all had the chance to watch the latest movie, 2000 Mules, by Dinesh D'Souza over the course of the last few days. If you have not seen it yet, please do so. I've shared it on my website and my social media pages. The new aristocracy, including members of the GOP, And their willing allies, their useful idiots in the media, have been calling claims that the 2020 election was rigged and stolen. They have been calling that the big lie. Up until the release of that movie, most people thought that the claims of fraud would never be able to be proven. Based upon almost every court in the land denying hearing on a vast majority of cases based upon standing and not the veracity of evidence. There were bits and pieces of evidence everywhere, though. The video of ballots in Detroit being delivered after the deadline in the dark of night. The results of the forensic audit in Arizona. The depositions, hundreds of them, under oath of people that witnessed cheating. Video of people being paid with gift cards for their votes. Statistically improbable results. Election boards kicking people out of election centers while the counting was going on. Even going so far as to cover the windows that allow the viewing of the counting of votes. Then the news reports about pipe bursts in Atlanta, that was a lie, and boxes of ballots stashed under tables rolled out after most of those people were sent home. Loads and loads of little bits of evidence. 
How could it all be put together in a neat little package that provides law enforcement with ample evidence to actually investigate? Actionable evidence. Well, an election integrity organization called True the Vote and Dinesh did it. The evidence shown in that movie is very compelling. That evidence can't be attributed to rumors and innuendo, or even the statistical improbabilities of the current dementia-riddled occupant of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue receiving the most votes in the history of our nation. While tens of millions of people knew something was off about the election, there was very little hard evidence. Too little to really prompt an investigation. Until now. Now there is videotape evidence of ballot trafficking that can be tied to cell phone geolocation to prove that individuals stuffed vote-by-mail ballots boxes with hundreds and thousands of ballots. In the movie, you will learn about something called patterns of life that law enforcement and marketing companies already use every day in our nation. I was unfamiliar with that term until I watched the movie. Leftists have even used that term as proof of people's whereabouts during the January 6, 2021 riots in D.C. Law enforcement has used cell phone geolocation data and patterns of life evidence to make hundreds of arrests after that riot. Now there's more than enough evidence that fraud on a scale to alter the results of the last presidential election did take place. Definitely more than the media admits to when they say there might be some fraud, but not enough to alter the results of an election. It's all right there. Video and cell phone data. Also in the movie is the fact that the National Republican Senatorial Committee was aware of, heck, their own investigators provided them with ballot harvesting evidence in the Georgia Senate runoff elections. And they did nothing. Nothing. Well, the GOP actually did do something. They fundraised the heck out of claims of fighting and proving election fraud to the tune of millions of dollars. Did they do anything other than that? Did they use those millions of dollars that were raised to investigate the fraud? Absolutely not. It takes a private citizen filmmaker and a nonprofit election integrity organization to do what they were supposed to do with the millions of dollars they raised. I wonder how this GOP organization will respond now that they are caught in those lies. And these lies are even recent. Lies about the fraudulent and stolen 2020 election. For example, David Perdue right now is campaigning to be governor of Georgia. The GOP primary for the Georgia gubernatorial election is right around the corner on the 24th of May. Mr. Perdue lost his Senate seat, and it was due to the fraud, and he is loudly claiming that his loss in that runoff election, as well as President Trump's loss in the state of Georgia, was due to fraud. In a recent debate, he said the election in 2020 was rigged and stolen. After all, he should know, right? He lost his seat due to that. So he's running for the GOP nomination against incumbent Georgia Governor Brian Kemp, the governor that should have prevented the fraud that occurred in the 2020 presidential election, as well as the subsequent Senate runoff election that cost two seats in the U.S. Senate. The governor that was responsible to ensure the laws concerning elections were properly followed in the state he represents. Laws that were flaunted and unconstitutionally altered or changed in the months leading up to the election right under his nose and out in the open. In fact, his administration enabled the fraud by signing an unconstitutional consent decree with a leftist organization. So his failure to do anything can be attributed to either corruption or ignorance. Either way, 
and elected officials serving in office of special trust should not be allowed to serve if they are corrupt or too ignorant of their responsibilities to serve in that office. Again, keep those two words in mind for later when we discuss the school board meeting I attended earlier this week. Corrupt or ignorant. Governor Brian Kemp's corruption or ignorance led to a deeply flawed election in his state. The results of those two elections were to hand single-party, Communist Party control of the federal government over to the very political party that is bent on the destruction of our representative republic. But get this, now with Mr. Padua in the thick of his campaign, in fact, in the end stage of his campaign to receive the GOP nomination to run for governor, Mr. Perdue's former colleagues in the U.S. Senate are not supporting those claims of a rigged and stolen election. Those former colleagues are Senator Romney, go figure, as well as Senators Kramer of North Carolina, Thune of South Dakota, Cassidy of Louisiana, and Ernst of Iowa, many others. They are all poo-pooing Mr. Perdue's comments. And now we have all the evidence readily available to us. These ignorant or corrupt politicians are saying things like we should move on or focus on the future, not dwell on the past, or even this smacks of being a sore loser. I wonder why they are making those claims or statements about their former colleague. Again, there really can only be two reasons for it. Like I said, they are either corrupt or ignorant. Lies, especially one told by politicians in the media, are spread by either corrupt people or ignorant people. More often than not, it is because of corruption, because the lies are told to secure their positions of power and influence. Sometimes it's for money, but that can't be the reason for our local politicians because their offices don't pay them that much. But could it be money? We'll see. Lies by people in leadership positions or by people in positions that are supposed to hold leadership accountable is an ethical failure. And we know what the reasons for ethical failures are, right? Remember the acronym SPAM, sex, power, alcohol, or money. The lies about the election are all about power. Now that there is actual empirical evidence out there that can be actionable by law enforcement, we can see if the lies being told by the new aristocracy in the media are from a place of corruption or from a place of ignorance. If their stories change now because they have seen the real evidence, then they were lying out of ignorance and ignorance based upon their political beliefs or their political favoritism. These people will believe a lie told to them by the new aristocracy or the media. They will echo that lie and stand by it, sometimes even after confronted with the facts. So I guess you could say that for most of the communists in our republic, like the low-level ones that the Twitter account Libs of TikTok exposes, and I shared with you all in a previous episode, And there are other useful idiots in the media and education institutions around the country. Their lie starts from a place of ignorance. Once confronted with the facts, and if they still continue the lie, then it comes from a place of corruption. A lie told to keep their positions of power. How this all shakes out, with the evidence supplied by True the Vote and Dinesh D'Souza in the movie, will inform us all about many of our institutions and how much the rule of law is adhered to in our republic. If there is no action by law enforcement on the evidence shown in the movie, well, folks, and this is sad to say, there definitely is not a political solution to the situation we find ourselves in. You can see this type of behavior from all levels of our government right now, from the federal level all the way down to the local level. Which brings me to this past week's school board meeting. 
because I was home and in town, I decided to attend this one. And before the school board meeting, there was a workshop held to discuss the 2023-2024 school budget. Some interesting tidbits were learned in that meeting. For some background first, last year on the 16th of April, 2021, I sent an email to the then superintendent of schools, Dr. Jack Parton. In this email, I asked the superintendent the following question. Dr. Parton, with reports across the state of illegal immigrant children being shipped here by the Biden administration, I would like to know if our school district is tracking new registration and enrollments here in our county. Again, I asked that question just a bit over a year ago on the 16th of April, 2021. It took a while to get a response, and it did not come from Dr. Parton himself. Instead, the reply came to me on the 29th of April from a Mr. Tony Ogle. Keep that name in mind. Mr. Ogle replied that Dr. Parton forwarded my email to him so that he could reply on behalf of the superintendent. Mr. Ogle's title, according to the signature line on the email at that time, was Interim Assistant Superintendent of Student Services. We'll discuss that job position in a bit as well. Anyway, the reply stated that the school board closely monitors enrollment data at all times, both before and throughout the year to ensure appropriate student-teacher ratios and the proper allocation of resources. At this time, no such surge in enrollment of any type has occurred. So, again, 13 months ago, there was no such surge in enrollment by illegal immigrant children. Now, the interesting tidbit that came out in the budget workshop is this. The district is hiring four more English language learner teachers. Apparently, there is a demand signal in the system to hire more teachers for non-English speaking children. But why? Is that contradicting the message that I received that there is no such surge in enrollment? You should all know that hiring for new positions in any organization is a lagging indicator in the supply and demand cycle. Hiring to fill positions is usually not predicated on a hope to meet a demand signal that does not exist at the time. It is based on things like seasonal patterns or a need for specialized positions. In other words, employers do not hire for specialized positions in their organizations for an anticipated non-data-driven need. They hire because they cannot meet the need or the demand signal for such specialized positions. The demand signal for more specialized teachers had to be increasing for the school board to include those positions in their proposed budget. So that leads to a few questions. When did the demand signal for these specialized teachers start to increase? Was the school board playing semantics by using the word surge in its response to my question? And what is the school board's definition of surge? Also, why is there a single point of contact for the Sevier County School Board for questions? Many people that ask questions of the members of the school board or the superintendent can attest to this. The majority of responses to any inquiry comes from Mr. Tony Ogle and not the board members or the superintendent. Why? We, the voters, the parents, the taxpayers did not hire that person. The school board members are serving because they were elected. Well, elected in the sense that they received the most votes in their elections, regardless of the sources of the votes, if you know what I mean. If you don't, please listen to the previous couple of episodes and weekend updates about the oddity in the vote totals for the primary elections earlier this month in Sevier County. Anyway, elections select representatives, and those are the people the voters, parents, and taxpayers deserve answers from. Not from what is turning out to be the school board's equivalent of the Biden administration's Minister of Truth. Later on in the show, you will hear Mr. Tony Ogle himself speaking. 
Maybe some other resident of Sevier County could submit an open records request for all the data on the increase in enrollment numbers of non-English speaking students beginning in January 2021. Anyway, so shortly after the budget workshop concluded, the school board held their monthly meeting. And let me tell you, it was completely eye-opening. Well, at least it should have been. It should open people's eyes on all sides of the issue of the divisive, corrosive, and sexualizing curriculums present in our school system. It should also open people's eyes to how our school board is actually conducting business as it relates to the duties and responsibilities of their elected positions. If you go over to the Liberty Leadership and Lies Facebook page, you can see videos of a few of the speakers at Monday night's meeting. Speakers that brought physical evidence contained in these curriculums. Speakers that implored the elected members of the school board to actually work with parents and taxpayers of Sevier County. What has become evident to me and to other people after attending several of these meetings is this. The school board behaves as if it works for the school district's administrators instead of its design role. The following statement comes right from the board's website. The Sevier County Board of Education is an instrument of the state and members of the board are state officers representing local citizens and the state in the management of public schools in Sevier County. The important part, representing local citizens in the state, not the members of the school administration, representing we the people. Also from their website is this. One of their duties and responsibilities is to manage and control all public schools under its jurisdiction. That does not seem to be the case here. In fact, the opposite seems true. The school board is managed and controlled by the school district. Every one of their votes, at least the ones I've witnessed, are unanimous without any discussion. No question or comments from the board members before each of their votes are taken. And of course, citizens aren't allowed to question or comment on the votes either. These board meetings actually look like there's a predetermined outcome that is determined before they ever meet in front of their employers, we the people. We'll discuss predetermined here in a bit as well. The board members, they allow Mr. Tony Ogle to be their gatekeeper for correspondence and interaction with their constituents. If there's a deep state within the Sevier County School Board, it appears that Mr. Tony Ogle is the head of it, enabled by school district leadership all to keep the elected members of the board, those people that are supposed to be representing the will of the people, to keep that board under their thumb and to do their bidding. But back to the meeting though. Speaker after speaker came to the podium to discuss what they discovered through their research about the SEL curriculum. Thoroughly researched information with citations and references. There were even posters made from copies of the electronic books available on the Epic Library app that is available to all children at the school. Problems with the Epic Library were brought up in addition to the inappropriate material available on that app. The problem is that the children's login for the app only works during school hours. Why is that? It's another one of those why questions, ladies and gentlemen. Why would a learning resource only be available during normal school hours? Could it be, now maybe I'm being a conspiracy theorist here, but could it be because that would prevent parents from viewing the material? Most parents are at work during normal school hours and therefore cannot access the app on their children's Chromebook. That means access to the Epic Library app is specifically designed to prevent parents from viewing the material on it that is available to children. Great conspiracy theory, right? 
well, I need more conspiracy theories because all of my previous conspiracy theories have actually come true. After viewing the posters that were made from the pages that came from the reading material on the Epic Library app, it is plain to see why parents aren't allowed to view it. Disgusting stuff. Biased stuff. Stuff that works against the family unit structure. The material in the vast majority of the books available on the Epic Library app are extremely biased, politically, socially, and medically. One by one, these parents, heck, even one high school senior, one by one, they came up and discussed the material that is actually present in the social-emotional learning curriculum and on that app. They discussed the roadblocks that school district administrators put in their path to view this curriculum. They also bring to the board's attention how there are teachers out there that have a definite fear of reprisal for bringing concerns with the curriculum to district leadership because they came to the parents and not leadership. What do the members of the school board do while each of these citizens are presenting their prepared remarks with documented evidence? Well, watch the videos. You can see. They're just a cursory glance through the material. What do the members of the school board do when each of these citizens asked questions of them? Nothing but sit in stoic silence. What are the citizens to take from that lack of response? Well, as I mentioned earlier, it appears that they are either corrupt or ignorant. Their silence is deafening. They have been shown the evidence of the lie that is the SEL curriculum. They have been shown the evidence of the lie about what children are exposed to in the Epic Library app. They are either perpetuating the lie from the school district administrators through corruption or ignorance. They willfully ignore the, now dozens, of parents that have spoken at the school board meetings about the divisive, corrosive, and sexualizing curriculum that our most innocent are being exposed to. So how do you think these corrupt or ignorant school board members replied to the parents and a student's concerns? It wasn't complete silence. After all the speakers were done, they then called on their gatekeeper to respond. Yet, Mr. Tony Ogle was allowed to speak as the board's response to the citizens' concerns. Here is an audio of Mr. Ogle's reply. Give it a listen. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, members of the board, Madam Director. Uh, following the discussion I had earlier today with Dr. Stacia Lewis, it is my understanding that her office has received and resolved uh, fewer than 10 concerns this year from staff members and parents regarding issues related to CKLA, the social emotional learning curriculum, uh, and affiliated topics. In the majority of these instances, a simple clarification of the materials used in our curriculum or a discussion of procedural, safe, procedural safeguards that we have in place uh, has been enough to dispel their concerns, uh, many of which are spawned by partial or incorrect information that they have seen on social media. Uh, another seven such concerns have been relayed to your office by principals after they received these complaints at the building level. Uh, many of these are fueled by the same misconceptions, again, stemming from social media posts. In only a single instance, when the parent had a philosophical objection to a particular text, the principal in question uh, was able to work with that parent to allow the parent and the child to opt out of the material while completing an alternative assignment, which has been a long-time policy here in Sevier County. As you know, the Sevier County School System serves nearly 14,000 students uh, from all around our different uh, communities. Out of those 14,000 students, fewer than 20 concerns in total have been received uh, at both the school level and the district level uh, from families. This represents roughly one-tenth of one percent of our entire student population. 
In these instances, our teachers, principals, and supervisors have worked with moms and dads, grandparents and guardians to hear and understand their concerns, to share our intentions and our methods, uh, and to respect their thoughts and beliefs. Our principals, many of whom are present here today, uh, have done an excellent job of working to provide families uh, with the facts, allay their fears, and supply alternative means where requested so that the educational process can continue without mistrust or doubt. I'm humbly grateful for their efforts. <coughs> Uh, as always, we continue to invite parents to come in if they have questions about specific curriculum, uh, to speak with administrators in their buildings and here at Central Office, so that we can continue the process of clarification uh, with plain communication and with earnest effort toward the bill party. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. The school board's gatekeeper just called every one of those citizens that spoke at this meeting and those that spoke at prior meetings in addition to those parents that actually showed up to review the curriculum, the school board's minister of truth basically said they were spreading misinformation. If the audio wasn't clear enough, I requested that Mr. Ogle provide me with the written comments that he read from. This is what he had to say about misinformation or disinformation regarding CKLA, SEL, and affiliated concerns that were brought to the attention of district leadership. Quote, in the majority of these instances, a simple clarification of the materials used in our curricula or a discussion of the procedural safeguards we have in place was enough to dispel these concerns, the majority of which were spawned by partial or incorrect information that they had encountered on social media. So, in essence, what he told everybody present at that meeting, which was standing room only, by the way, it was a packed house I've never seen it that full before, that the information that these parents had gathered only came from conspiracy theorists on the internet or on social media. Oh, and he also said that Dr. Lewis's office has received and resolved fewer than 10 total concerns. What about the 15 parents and taxpayers that actually showed up to review the curriculum earlier this year? I guess they don't count because they are conspiracy theorists. I have to tell you, I was madder than an old wet hen when he got done speaking. Then I was made even madder when the board's parliamentarian or whoever the heck he was stated that there couldn't be any more discussion on the matter. How do you like that, parents and taxpayers? The school board's timekeeper of public comments or parliamentarian told every parent in attendance to just shut up and color. Nobody can speak anymore because the lords and masters of the Sevier County School Board and district leadership have tolerated your comments long enough. Now it is time to move on and allow them to dismiss your concerns as nothing more than social media conspiracies and disinformation. I tell you what, the Biden administration could not be more proud of them all right now. The Department of Homeland Security's Disinformation Governance Board has a firm foothold here in Sevier County. The best part, or really the worst part, is that the taxpayers and parents of this county paid to get treated like peasants by their elected representatives or their gatekeeper, Mr. Tony Ogle. Another interesting fact is this. Mr. Ogles, again, his official title is now this, Assistant Superintendent of Student Services. So I emailed him and I asked him for clarification of what that meant. Just who is he the assistant to? He called me yesterday evening to describe what his position is and who he works for. He works for the unelected superintendent of Sevier County Schools. Get that? an unelected public servant that is the assistant to another unelected public servant 
is the gatekeeper for the elected members of the school board. That kind of clears up the relationship a bit more, doesn't it? The superintendent of schools and district leadership that is supposed to work for the school board is in fact quite the opposite relationship here in Sevier County. Unelected people paid with our tax dollars, our sweat equity, are in control of the elected members of the school board. If that does not smack of deep state-style shenanigans, I do not know what does. Getting back to Mr. Ogle's response on behalf of the members of the school board to the standing room only parents and citizens in attendance at that meeting, Mr. Ogle spoke from a prepared response. A little bit more than two minutes of a prepared response to the more than 30 minutes of remarks and evidence presented to the school board by citizens in attendance. Just how is there already a prepared response, a predetermined response? Well, because one of the rules of how school board meetings are conducted, people must ask more than a week in advance to be placed on the agenda to give five minutes of remarks. On their request to be placed on the agenda, they have to provide the school board with the topic they will speak on. So the gatekeeper and his handlers were very prepared to come out and call these concerned citizens liars, purveyors of disinformation, and social media conspiracy theorists. Mr. Ogle's prepared remarks, the predetermined remarks, were quite dismissive of the parents and students in attendance that actually have well-researched concerns with the direction our school board has allowed the school district to guide and indoctrinate our children. So, ladies and gentlemen, if today's show has not convinced you and what you have witnessed at the school board meetings that have occurred since the beginning of the pandemic have not convinced you, I do not know what to tell you. Our elected school board members, by allowing the school district's leadership to lie to parents, they are either corrupt or ignorant. Ignorance can be fixed. Much like the movie 2000 Mules presented evidence, parents and students and some teachers have presented evidence of the corrosive device of sexualizing curriculum that is in our schools. Evidence that can correct ignorance. Ignorance about a fraudulent election and ignorance about those curriculums. Failure to act once ignorance has been corrected means the lies come from a place of corruption. I will address the school board about this very topic at their next scheduled meeting. I dropped off my request to be placed on the meeting's agenda for the 13th June with the subject of my remarks being representative government. Nothing more specific than that, so they can't come with a predetermined response. If there are prepared remarks in their rebuttal to my remarks, it means that they are paying attention to this show, which is good. It is good that the school board and school district leadership knows that their employers, we the people, are either going to educate them out of their ignorance or hold them accountable for their corruption. They are not far off in Nashville or Washington, D.C. They reside right here with us, and they will be reminded of that at every opportunity. In closing this week, I would like to leave you all with this from God's Word. Today it comes to us from Proverbs 10:31. The mouth of the godly person gives wise advice, but the tongue that deceives will be cut off. We all know who the great deceiver is. Through the actions of our school board members, their gatekeeper, and the Sevier County Schools leadership, his work is being manifested before our very eyes. They are deceiving us, their employers. More importantly, they are deceiving our children, teaching them 
indoctrinating them in beliefs that tear at the very fabric of the family unit. They tear down familial beliefs, values, and principles. They indoctrinate children that deviant lifestyles are normal. They indoctrinate children in spiritualism and the belief that Christianity is a religion of bigots, racists, misogynists, and any other ist or phobe that is popular in the culture today. This needs to end and as quickly as possible. We are losing an entire generation of children to the religion of self. Until next week, stand in the arena with me. Reveille, it's time to wake up.